Well, we've had um, an inspired choice of music today. It's uh, beautiful uh, to hear uh, the praise. And as I came into church this morning, um, I was thrilled just to hear the people preparing for worship and the, the atmosphere and to see the, the, the people that have been in during the week to put out the pews and to make it a, a welcome for everyone to be here in church. We've still got a few more seats available if, uh, if others are feeling free that they can come back to church after the COVID. It's been, uh, it's been a hard time for all of us, hasn't it? Well, let us uh, just bow our heads for a prayer. O oh Lord, open our eyes to see what is beautiful, our minds to know what is true, and our hearts to love what is good. Amen. The first uh, poem uh, that I learned as a child was uh, a very simple one, a nighttime prayer. And it began Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Does anybody know it? Oh, it must have been it's 70 years ago. <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, bless the bed that I lie on. Four corners on my bed, Five angels there lie spread. I see somebody that knows it at the back. Two at my head, two at my feet, one at my heart, my soul to keep. Now, that's 70 years ago. I want to ask, do angels play any part in our world today? I have... Um, uh, I've not found any guarantees in Scripture that there are five angels for every child's bed. That doesn't come in. It's just a fanciful poem that I was taught as a child, and I thought it might be a good lead-in. But angels are very much part of the world that the Lord our God has made. There are 300 references to angels in the Bible. In the Old and New Testament, angels played an important role in God's reaching out to his people and, uh, and in protecting God's people. Angels are powerful spiritual beings created by God to do his will. They're, they were created with free will to love and to serve God. You can't, you can't love if you're not free. And God wanted the creatures he had made to love him. So he gave them free will. Uh, Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. In the book of uh, Hebrews, calls on the angels. They, it calls them ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Who are they serving? Who are they serving? Us. That's right. They're serving us, the ones who are being uh, called to inherit salvation. But sadly... Some of the angels, possibly about a third of them, 
chose their, to use their free will to follow Satan, the dragon, in rebellion against the Lord our God. We're not given a lot of detail in scripture of the war in heaven. But the, the first reading that we had today gives us an example and a clue of, uh, of what happened. A little summary of what happened. Michael, the archangel, and his angels threw out those who rebelled against God, threw them out from heaven, and where did he throw them? Down to earth. The great dragon, the ancient serpent, was hurled down to earth with those angels who had followed him. And the word Satan is from, in English, is from a Hebrew word. And the word devil is from a Greek word. And both of them mean the accuser. It was interesting, came out in one of our hymns today, didn't it? About Satan's work, that he tries to accuse us that we're not good enough, we're not valuable, that, that how could God possibly love us? He, he comes at, at us as the accuser. And the war in heaven is, is finished, but the war goes on here. God is still, God's will is still not done on earth as it is in heaven. Where do we learn that? Straight in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? We pray for the, God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. To be, be behind the many centers of power on earth, in the world of politics, in industry, in commerce, in social attitudes, in racial attitudes, in false religions, there are dark forces which are pleased to lend their power to those who will work against the coming of the kingdom of God. It's an unseen battle. The human beings involved, you know, the presidents of countries and, uh, and heads of uh, uh, decision-making in industry, then most may not be aware of this hidden power behind them. But the lust for power and for prestige leave, and selfish ambition leave anyone open to be used by our enemy. Jesus himself was tempted by Satan to, uh, to, go, to Satan said, showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. He said, if, if you bow down to me, it can all be yours. Use my methods. Raise an army. Force people to walk, come into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. We're, we're not given many details of how spiritual warfare works, how it works out in practice. But there is one story in Daniel 
which we didn't read today, an angel came to Daniel as Daniel was praying. Daniel had been fasting and praying for a few weeks. And the angel came to Daniel and, and he explained why there'd been a delay in answering his prayer. The angel explained that they'd been delayed for three weeks because the spiritual forces behind the king of Persia had blocked him and he hadn't been able to get past to bring God's revelation to Daniel until uh, the archangel Michael, who was responsible for caring for God's people, came and helped him. This is just uh, one little insight into uh, the way that this spiritual battle goes on. Uh, Genesis 19 tells the dramatic story of how angels, two angels, came to rescue Lot and his family uh, from Sodom before it was destroyed. And they managed to get uh, Lot and his family out uh, before uh, the city was destroyed. Later, Jacob, uh, Abraham's grandson, was leaving the promised land in disgrace. He'd been cheating his brother, he had lied to his father and deceived, deceived his father. And uh, I don't know if you, how, how much you know of the stories of the Old Testament, but uh, when Esau uh, needed a wife, his, fa his father, Abraham, sent a, a servant loaded with camels and gifts to bring a wife back for him. But when Jacob was sent out, of, out to find a wife, he had just his staff uh, and, his, and the clothes he stood up in because he, was, he left in disgrace. And 12 miles north of Jerusalem, night came and he laid down to sleep and put his head on a stone. And uh, as, he, uh, as he slept, he had a dream and he dreamed of a stairway going up to heaven and angels were going up and coming down. And at the top of the stairway, was the Lord our God and God spoke to him and uh, and God said I am the Lord the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land it's interesting isn't it that actually Jacob was going in disgrace, and there's God giving him promises of a future and a blessing. And sometimes that might be like our experience of life, when things have been difficult, but God steps in and says, yes, but there's blessing for you. And when Jacob woke up, he realized that he'd seen a vision of angels and of God. And therefore, he picked up the stone that he had put his head on, tipped it up into a pillar, and he anointed it with oil. And he said, and he called that place Bethel, the house of God. And that becomes very significant. It was the Bethel, the house of God. 
And I see links between that story in our gospel reading uh, and the story in our gospel reading. Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, went to find his friend because he met Jesus and he went to tell his friend, we've found the Messiah. And uh, Nathaniel said, um, uh, really? And he said, yes, it's Jesus of Nazareth. I oh, said, Nazareth? He didn't think much of Nazareth. It was only a little town with 2,000 people at that time. And it happened to be just round the corner from where Nathaniel lived in uh, Cana. And uh, so Nathaniel uh, was a bit skeptical about it, but uh, he went anyway. And uh, when he arrived, Jesus said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Now this must have rung true to Nathaniel because um, he says to Jesus, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree. And we don't know what Jesus saw under the fig tree. John doesn't tell us in the, in the gospel but it was very significant to Nathaniel, and it rung true to him. And he said, because he, he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Now, he probably didn't understand son of God in a full sense, but he, he called by God to be king, the Messiah. So Jacob, Jacob, how does that link back with the story in the Old Testament for Jacob? Well, Jacob was the first one to be called Israel. He was the trickster. He was the one that left uh, the, the uh, promised land in disgrace. But God met him and he gave him a new name. You will be called not Jacob, but Israel. Not the trickster, but the, the people. And he was going to be the one who started the, the people of God. And, and uh, Jesus has called Nathaniel the um, a true Israelite. So Jesus promised Nathaniel, the true Israelite, that he would see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Does that ring a bell of what happened in the Old Testament? Jesus is saying, I'm the new, I'm the new Bethel. I am the new house of God. If you want to meet with the Lord God, come to me. In the Old Testament, uh, angels played many roles. An angel kept Daniel safe when he was in the lion's den. An angel rescued Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they, uh, and protected them in the fiery furnace. And in the New Testament, we need other angels. John the Baptist's father uh, was, uh, met an angel when he was in the temple worshiping God. And the, the, the angel was called Gabriel. Uh, and he gave him a promise that your prayers have been answered and your wife is, will have a son and you're to call him John, and he will be the forerunner of the Messiah, who will go before the Savior who is coming. 
Six months later, the same angel, Gabriel, came to uh, Mary in Nazareth to tell the Virgin Mary that she would be the mother of the Savior. Angels announced uh, the, the birth of the Savior to the shepherds in the hills. Angels are everywhere in the New Testament, especially in certain parts. And they were praising God as we have been doing, saying glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. And then after the coming of the wise men, Joseph was warned by an angel to, to get up quickly and take the child because the child's life was in danger. And he got up and took his son, uh, uh, the, the, the baby Jesus, to uh, Egypt. We don't know the names of many of the angels, and though in the time of uh, Jesus and of St. Paul, there, were, there was a lot of speculation, and uh, the Jews had lists of angels, certain Jews. Uh, they, uh, there was a lot of speculation, and some Jewish groups had hierarchies of angels who you could pray to, kind of a special way into heaven to get things done. And, uh, and they uh, claim secret knowledge and workings of heaven. But the New Testament avoids that kind of speculation. St. Paul warned his churches against those who advocate asceticism and the worship of angels. Now, I, I realize I'm going through this quickly, but if you really want to explore it yourself, the text is on... Will, or will be on the website and it has all the references in that I'm using. So I don't want to keep quoting this and that. These so-called secrets were not the kind of knowledge that congregations needed to live the Christian life. Everything that we need to live the Christian life is there available to us in the New Testament. We're not told to look out for angels. We're not told to pray to them. Jesus taught us, who, to, who should we pray to? To the Father. He says, this is how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven. We don't pray to angels or to other spiritual forces or people. We're told um, to pray to the Father. When we pray, deliver us from evil in the Lord's Prayer, the Lord God hears our prayer, and if we need help of angels, he will send it. We don't have to ask for anybody else, uh, any other spiritual forces. In a time of persecution, uh, when uh, James, the brother of John, was arrested and executed by Herod, Peter was also arrested. And, this, and this, the church prayed for Peter, and God sent an angel to deliver him. Praise the Lord. Our Heavenly Father uh, rescued him from prison by an angel. I read a story that's more recent 
about angels. It was in the beginning of the 20th century before China was close to missionaries. And uh, some missionaries in China were trying to reach a tribe in, in China. Uh, it's one of the, um, not the Han tribe, but the, a group that had not been reached by the gospel. But to get there, they had to travel through bandit country. And they knew it was dangerous. The government couldn't provide them any protection. And, but they prayed for God's protection and they set off to go. And as they traveled, they were aware, it felt as if someone was following. They kept seeing glints of, of things on sun, sunshine, glinting on things. They thought, we may be being followed. Well, it came to night and they made a camp, lit a fire, settled down, and they prayed. And in the morning they woke up and nothing had happened. And they thanked God and they went on and arrived safely where they were going. Now later on, one of the robbers who had been following them became a Christian. And he came to the missionary, uh, one of the missionaries, and he said to him, uh, when I was uh, a robber, we followed you through the day and we planned to attack you at night. But when we came to attack, we saw that your little group was surrounded by an army in white. So we didn't bother attacking. Amazing, isn't it? There aren't many stories that we hear like that, but the thing is uh, that we may, uh, we may be having more contact with angels than we're aware of. We don't have to look for them. We don't have to ask for them. We certainly don't have to pray to them. But I think of times in my life when I've been in quite serious danger and I've not been harmed. The Lord answered our prayers. May we know we may never know how many times we've been rescued from disaster through God's use of angels. And when we experience God's goodness in this life, however it comes, when we see how we've been kept safe in the circumstances of life, who is it that we give thanks to? To our Heavenly Father. We give him thanks and praise. It's great, it's good to live thankfully each day to look for things as we pray to give thanks to God for small things giving thanks for our food giving thanks for uh, the, the experiences we have each day as well as for asking for help and when our hearts are full of praise we're joining in with the song of the angels because that's what they do Holy, 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 God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. The unseen battle is still going on between the forces that resist God's will and those who want to build the kingdom of God. 
St. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, we're not waging war against according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are of divine power. The weapons of our warfare are prayer and simple obedience to God, walking in his way. And we won't understand everything that's going on. That's for the generals to do. We're foot soldiers. We don't see what's going on behind. We're just the foot soldiers. We've got our orders. We had it read to us in our service already. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we do. That's how we win this battle. Every time we do the right thing, every time we do the thing that God is calling us to do, we are fighting as soldiers of the cross. Every time we come to God in prayer, whether it's walking out in the park with our dog, or whether it's kneeling in, uh, in, in some place uh, within church, Every time we come to God in prayer, every time we confess our sins, every time we ask for God's help, we're winning war in that spiritual battle. We are soldiers of the cross. We're putting on the armor of God, not in some kind of magical way, but through simple love and obedience for God and for people. And when we, uh, each time we choose to do the right thing, we're running those battles. And there was an example of that, just as I finish. The, uh, the 72 that were sent out by Jesus to go out and bear witness to the coming of the kingdom of God. And they came back and they were full of it. They were great. It's, it's wonderful. Even, this, even the demons of uh, are submitting to us. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's a bit enigmatic. Was it Satan falling when he was thrown out of heaven? Or was it Satan falling because the saints were being obedient and doing what Jesus told them to do? It's enigmatic. Was it something that Jesus saw happening in the spiritual realm while his uh, 72 went out preaching? And what about us? What will the Lord do as we are faithful to the calling he gives on our lives? It's great to see how in the church you're all trying to learn more about God and about how to be obedient to him through your, your study groups, your cell groups, the courses that you're running. When I hear about it, I just feel, praise the Lord, what's going on here? We, this is the way to build a church. I just want to say, there is, might be a little warning in what Jesus says. 
a gentle warning against pride because it was pride that was Satan's downfall. He was, uh, used to be called Lucifer, the morning star, the most powerful and most beautiful of the angels. But pride got into his heart and he wanted the praise to come to him instead of to God. And he was thrown out of heaven. And Jesus doesn't want us to become proud in the ministries that he gives to us. And so Jesus adds these words at the end of that passage to give a bit of perspective to his excited discipleships, disciples. They come saying, it's great, this, the demons subject to us, they, they do our bidding. And Jesus says, rejoice. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now that's down to my size. That's down to something that I can live with, that I can do. How about you? Does that please you? That God says rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's where our names are. They're written on the palms of his hands. Praise the Lord. Shall we have a little prayer to finish with? Father God, we thank you that in your loving care you have guided and protected us throughout our lives. And we praise you that you are able to deliver us from evil in this life and to present us faultless in the next. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.